Once upon a time, there were three little pigs, and the time came for them to leave home and seek their fortunes. Before they left, their mother told them, whatever you do, do it the best that you can, because that's the way to get along in the world. Once upon a time, a fairy tale opening that most of us have heard. It invokes images of fantasy, heroes, villains, mystical worlds, and happily ever after endings. Stories of princes and princesses who go against evil and defeat them at what seems like insurmountable odds. It is great storytelling. It is an escape. For, for just a brief moment, we get to go off into a, another world, a, a simpler world oftentimes where right is right and wrong is wrong. The hero always wins and the prince always gets his girl. It is predictable. It is cliche. And we love every single minute of it. But life isn't like that, is it? It doesn't always turn out that way, does it? Sure, we, we start out with these once upon a time beginnings, but we don't always end up with a happily ever after ending, do we? Because life has a way of throwing curveballs at us. We make bad decisions, other people hurt us. Life has its ups, it has its downs, it has its good chapters, it has its bad chapters. What happens when you find yourself in a story you did not intend to write? What happens when the fairy tale you dreamed about turns into a nightmare? Welcome to week one of Once Upon a Time. Welcome campuses, welcome to those online. This is the series that will be leading us up to Easter, so we're very excited about it. And today we're going to talk about the three little pigs, a fairy tale that many of us probably have heard at some point in our lives. It was first written, at best we can tell, somewhere around the 1840s, but it was made famous in the 1890s by a writer of fairy tales named Joseph Jacobs. In this story, the mother sends three pigs out to seek their fortune in life. And the three pigs go out, and the first pig builds his house out of straw. Eventually, a wolf comes by, and that wolf begins a dialogue many of us know. He says, little pig, little pig, let me in. And the pig says, that's right, most of you have heard the story, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin, in which the wolf says, then I will huff, and I will puff, and I will blow your house in. And he does that, and he goes in, and he eats the pig. You didn't know that version, did you? <laughs> He then goes off to the next house, and that pig has built his house made of sticks. The same dialogue ensues, and, and the wolf says, uh, then I will huff, and I will puff, and I will blow your house down. And the house goes down, the wolf goes in, and he eats that pig too. But then the wolf goes to the third house. That house is made of brick. And he says, I'll huff, I'll puff, I'll blow your house in. He can't do it. So he begins to try to trick the pig a couple of times. The pig is smart and can't be tricked. And so as a last desperate act, 
The wolf decides he's going to go down the chimney, but the pig was ready for that as well too. He had a cauldron of hot boiling water waiting for the wolf. It was wolf stew that evening. Which is why I have a little difficult time really relating to this story because I have never had wolf stew and it sounds disgusting. But I have had ham. And that's good stuff. Like many of the stories, there are different versions of it out there. My wife showed me this one in the last week. It is a version of the story written completely from the perspective of the wolf and how those poor pigs mistreated him. Most of us, though, are more familiar with the 1930s, 1940 Disney cartoon-style version of the story. The wolf shows up to the pig's first house. He blows it down. That pig runs to the second house. The wolf shows up. He blows that one down. The two pigs run to the third brother's house. The wolf can't blow that one down, and he leaves frustrated. I can only assume that the thought of a wolf mauling two pigs to the delight of our preschoolers on Saturday morning was probably a bit much. I could see how that breakfast conversation would go, Daddy, why did that wolf eat those piggies? I don't know, eat your bacon. (laughs) There's a lot of things that we can glean from this story, but I think the one that's most important and probably most obvious to us is that the life we are building and how we build it matters. Because life has its fair share of wolves out there. Life has its fair share of storms and trials and tribulations out there, and the house we are building in life will determine how well we weather those storms. It will be the basis for how we get through these tough times in our life. And so what we build our house and how we build it matters. Peter, when writing to the church in the first century, kind of resonated with this understanding when he said in 1 Peter chapter 5, he said, be alert and of sober mind, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, will the house you are building withstand the storms of life? May I ask that again? Will the house that you are building withstand the storms of life, those things that you prize in your life, those things that you treasure, those things that you value, that you have set up around you as your security blanket, are those the things that are really going to be there for you? And those are the things going to hold you up when life comes tumbling down around you, when the floor drops out from underneath you, when you are faced with a circumstance you were not planning on and you didn't see coming, are the things you are building your life on really going to get you through that tough time? I contacted a friend of mine this week, went to college with him. He's an architectural engineer. And I I had a simple question for him. I'm like, what is it that causes buildings to collapse? Or what is it that causes structures to collapse? And he said, you know, there were five main things that cause structures to collapse. I found the conversation absolutely fascinating. And I want to share that with you today. It's a little bit of technical jargon, but I think you'll follow along. Because what I found is that the same things that cause buildings and structures to collapse in life are similar things that cause our lives to fall apart and to cause our lives to come collapsing down around us too. And I want to share those with you today. So if you have your worship guide, this is a good time to pull it out. We're about to do our first fill-in and it's simply this. The first reason that a building or a structure collapses is foundation failure. Foundation failure. 
Jesus told a story. We're not going to go there because we've told this story before. He told a story in Matthew chapter 7. Two houses. One house is built on the sand. One house is built on the rock. When the rains come down and the floods rise, the house that is built on the sand washes away, while the house that is built on the rock stands. The moral of the story and the point of the story, what you build your house on matters. The foundation you place it on matters. And if you don't believe me, just ask these folks. As soon as they put it up there. There. It's the Tower of Pisa. Most of us have probably seen that before. The Tower of Pisa began to tilt during construction. What they didn't take into account is that half of it was built on the bedrock of the area. The other half of it was built on soft ground. And so during the course of construction, as the weight increased, it began to tilt. Your foundation matters. Or ask these folks at the old St. Paul Armory in Minnesota. Now, at first glance, you say, well, there's nothing wrong with that building. And so I want to direct you down to the windows that are on the main level, and to which you may think, what a cool little architectural feature. Well, the problem is, is that was the second floor of that building. Over the course of about 75 years, this building, which was built on the Great Lake sands of the Minnesota area, sank almost 20 feet till it was eventually condemned. So the foundation you build on matters. There's a second part to this story, too, that's just as important for us. Yes, one house on sand, one house on rock. But notice in the story, the rains and the floods came to both houses. Sometimes we get this understanding that if I put my foundation in Jesus Christ... If I place my foundation in the truths and the teachings that he taught us and the Bible, that this will somehow be a guarantee of all sunny days. But that's not at all what the Bible talks about. It rained on both houses, which is all the more the reason you have to build your house on a solid foundation. There is no promise of all sunny days in Christianity. In fact, Jesus said, on this earth, you will find trouble. He even told his disciples at one point, they will hate you for my name's sake. As a Christian, there will be ups, there will be downs, there will be forces of evil that will come against you. There will be good days, there will be bad days, and what you build your foundation on really will be important. The second reason that a building may collapse or a structure may collapse is this, poor design. Poor design. It was interesting as I was doing the studying the last week, went out there kind of saying, what does the Bible have to say about construction and, and techniques and so forth? And most of what I read, it seemed like, is there was an abundance of articles on build your house on the right foundation and build your life on the right foundation. There was blogs and there was books. There was an abundance of materials on build your house on the right foundation. But what struck me as odd is it seems like if we stop our story right there, build your house on a good foundation, we are doing a bit of an injustice here because the one thing I am quite sure of is a foundation does not a good house make. Those of you who are in construction or have built a house or built something know that just because you have a good foundation does not mean you have a good structure. You can actually build a really crummy building on a great foundation, can't you? 
So a foundation isn't everything. And in truth, that's what the story of the three pigs is all about. We have every reason to believe these pigs probably built their house on very similar foundations. This was not a story about a foundation problem. This was a story about construction materials. This was a story about what you build your house of. One built the house made of straw, one built a house made of sticks, and one built a house made of bricks. The author Paul in the New Testament resonated with this when he was talking to a church in Corinth that was suffering from division and inward strife. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It will be on the screens and in your worship guide as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we will start in verse 10. Paul says this, by the grace that God has given me, I love that, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on top of it. But each one should build with care. Each one, us. We should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, these are all things you use to build temples then, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. See, in this story, notice what Paul's stressing. Yes, Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. Yes, he is our foundation. But who's doing the work? We are. And this isn't unusual. This is the story of the Bible. God has always intended to use a group of people that bear his name to be his hands and feet into the world, to be the people of action, to build on the foundation that he has created. He builds the foundation. We do the work. That is what it means to be the sent people of God. We are God's image. We are God's reflection on this earth. And when other people see us in action and they see what we are doing, they see this loving, gracious, kind God at work through those actions, and they are drawn in. We build on Christ's foundation. How are you doing? The third reason a building collapses or a structure collapses is this, faulty construction. Faulty construction. You can have a great foundation. You can have an incredible design. But if you don't actually build it correctly, it will come falling down. If you decide to cut corners, if you decide to be lazy, if you decide to do things other than the design and you fall off the plan, you risk having a building or a structure that cannot withstand the storms of life. And what I want to encourage you about and remind you about is this, the Bible God's word for us is our blueprints for life. If you want to find out where you can, how to live, how you were designed to be, what you exist for, and how to build a house and a life that can withstand the storms of life, they exist in the words of the Bible that we were given us, the words of God. I encourage you to get in there. They are the blueprints for life and get to work. There's a story I tell 
families and, and people I'm marrying and have married. So if I've married you in the past two or three years, there's a good chance you've probably heard this story, and I'm sorry. Uh, but I've talked men to most of your wives, and they said you probably weren't listening anyways. <laughs> many years ago, Hurricane Andrew blew through Florida with a vengeance, and many of you may remember that. It cost billions upon billions of dollars of damage and took years to recover. What was interesting is I remember seeing an article in Time Magazine, and they had this picture of this entire neighborhood that had been wiped out, just completely wiped out. But in that neighborhood was one house that stood. One house survived the entire hurricane that went through the neighborhood. The writer of the article went and asked the owner of the home, who also happened to be the general contractor of the home when it was built, and he said, why did your house stand when none of the others did? And he said, well, the best I can figure is that because even though nobody was looking, and even though nobody was checking, I decided to build that house exactly to code. I decided to build it precisely to the code. He said, so when the code called for two by sixes, I used two by sixes. And when the code called for three feet of cement, I used three feet of cement. I did not deviate. He goes, but my friends and my neighbors knew that nobody was looking and that nobody was checking. And so they decided to cut corners and to save costs. And he goes, so when the code called for two by sixes, they used two by fours. And when the code called for three feet of cement, they used two feet of cement. And he said, best I can figure, that's the only reason my house stood. The house that stood was the house that was built according to the code. That's why this is so important. That's why if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to go online and get one on your smartphone or your tablet, or they have some in the back at the Next Steps kiosk at our campuses as well. You can't cut corners in life. And just because you have a good foundation and you have a good design doesn't mean you're finished. You've actually got to build it according to the code. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, but each one should build with care. Each one should build with care. The fourth reason that a structure falls or comes down is this, extraordinary loads. Extraordinary loads. What happens when a building has to absorb weight or pressure that it was not designed or created to take. It will collapse. This is, by the way, what happened to the Twin Towers in 9-11. When the plane went in, the heat and the additional pressure and weight of it expanded the building, and the heat weakened the joists, and as the floor fell, it became more weight on the floor before and more in like a domino effect. The buildings went down. They were not meant to withstand the weight that was coming down on them. In life, it's very similar to what happens when we allow the anxieties of our life? What happens when we allow the fear of our life? What happens when we become people who are worriers? Are you a worrier? Yeah. 
What happens when we allow the shame of our life? What happens when we allow the guilt of our lives to chain us down, to weigh us down? to keep us from being the people that God created us to be because we were designed and created to be people that live in freedom. That's why in Galatians 5.1, Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Jesus, however, told a story. It was a farming story in Mark chapter 4 that I think illustrates what happens sometimes because in this story, he talked about the fact that we are seed planters. We throw seeds out and sometimes those seeds fall on good ground and sometimes those seeds fall on bad ground. In Mark 4, he talks about one of those places. He said, others, like seeds sown among thorns, they, they go into an area of thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. What is it in your life that is choking out the good news that you can have freedom in Jesus Christ. You don't have to live in shame. You do not have to live with guilt. Philippians 4 says, be anxious of nothing. And when we allow these things to burden us and when we allow these things to weigh us down, they keep us from being the people that God designed us to be. They keep us from building the building and the life that God wanted us to build. And as a result, when the storms of life come up and when the enemy comes looking for us, we are not able to stand. And what burden, what thing are you holding on to your li- in your life that is putting you in slavery and bondage and oppressing you? Because God's people are meant to live free. And may today be the day you let that go. The final reason that a structure collapses or falls is this, unexpected situations. Unexpected situations. For a a building, this would be things such as an earthquake or a tornado, hurricane, an explosion. Things that you don't necessarily think about when you're designing or building the structure, but the reality is in life and what we've been talking about this point, life has its surprises. Life has things that happen that you could never plan on ever. There are going to be things that happen that you weren't counting on. And we have to ask ourselves, why does it matter what we build our house on? But I will tell you how you build your house during this time and how well you build your house will go a long way in determining how well you survive that situation. Because life has its surprises. It's a diagnosis from a doctor you were not expecting. It's your marriage falling apart. Losing your job. The economy tanks. Life has its surprises. And how you build your house and what you build it on will go a long way in determining how well you navigate that time. In a minute, I want to watch a video. 
My friend, his name's Mike Spear. He attends our QC West campus. I met him there when we opened it. I call him tiny because Mike is six foot seven and 300 pounds. He is anything but. And over the last two and a half years, we've navigated a journey together. I want you to just share into this story as he shares what unexpected event happened in his life. Go ahead. I don't even remember what the sermon was and what I was mad about, but I remember uh, being inspired to write one of those cards, and I think I wrote a little dissertation on it to the point where it got somebody's attention, and, and now he called me. I uh, was pretty upset at the time. What? What had happened? Went to work one morning, and then the same day, I, I found out that we lost our daughter. She had fallen. We had a split foyer, and she'd fallen over the banister and then landed on her head, and... and uh, all the doctors in Iowa City worked on her, and obviously her brain was swollen, and, and she was brain dead, and, and uh, couldn't save the organs, couldn't save anything. So we lost Jesse um, three and a half years ago, and our lives just permanently took a, a downward uh, thing. And, and I blame God that how could a loving God let this happen to to myself and to my wife and, and, and throw our lives in complete turnaround. I mean, obviously, I was one of those that was always in control. I mean, I, I right or wrong, I, I always felt like I could control the outcome of stuff. And I claimed to be a Christian, but I still claimed that I was, that I still tried to do everything my way. And thank God for fresh starts and for God's love, because he, uh, he took a very bitter, angry man that blamed him for everything, and uh, slowly, one one piece at a time, has tried to show his love for me when I didn't deserve it. But it also brings to reality that I'm certainly not in control, and I realize that so much now that I didn't back then. I mean, it's, God's great, and sometimes, it takes things like this to make me realize that I wasted the first 30 years, of my 50 years of my life, whatever, trying to do things my way. What has had to change in your life after that in order for you to rebuild? Put God as the center of what you built your, your life on and learn to love the way that God loves. Let's love others and the things in life that matter, the things in life that you can take with you. What would you say to someone who's building their house out of the things you used to build out of? Selfishness and greed and material things. Just to be careful because it's, it's just temporary stuff. It doesn't last in the long run. And so what is the foundation? God's the foundation. And if we can love like God loves, that, that's huge. Would you take a moment and thank Mike and Chrissy for sharing their story? When Mike went to work that morning, he had no idea how his life was going to change. 
and completely change directions. Life has its unexpected events and what you build up around you and the house you make and the foundation you make it on will go a long way in determining how you navigate that journey and make it through, which gets us to our now what moment. What are you building in life that won't stand? What are you building in life that won't stand? Because as we learn today, what you build and how you build is vitally important. For some of us, we're building a life on the, the easy way, the easy street, a quick buck. What's the best way to make some money out there? What's the easiest way to live life and then party when I can? To live selfishly and just do what feels good and feels right. To be laissez-faire about things. And what we find out is that you're building a house made out of straw. I'm quite sure straw was not only the easiest building material to get your hands on, it was probably the cheapest and maybe the easiest to build with. But what happened just like the pig in the story when the wolf of life comes up and he says, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. It collapses because you have not built a house that can withstand the enemies of life. Or perhaps you say, that's not me at all. I have worked hard for everything in my life. I have worked my rear end off. I have scrimped. I have scraped. I have sacrificed. I have gone to the top of where I'm at. I have made it. I have arrived. Just look at me. Look at my house. Look at the car I drive. Look at the things around me. Don't I show you that I am a bastion of success? I have built my life on my fame, my fortune, my finances, and I rest securely in them. And I want you to know that that house, too, will not stand because you find out, just like the rest of us, that one day your marriage falls apart because what your money and what your success and what your fame and your fortune did for you is it changed you and it turned you into a person you never intended to be. It hardened you. It made you a critical person. It made you mean. And as a result, your marriage falls apart because your wife can't be around you anymore and your kids go running away. And one day you lose your job or one day the economy completely tanks and your 401k is worth 20% of what it used to be be, or one day a doctor hands you a diagnosis, and what good is your money then? And so the house, like the pig built of sticks, cannot withstand the wolves of life. And he says, I huff and I puff and I blow your house down. What you build your house on and how you build it matters. We're called to build our house like the pig on a firm foundation and brick so that it can withstand the storms of life. Which leads to this last question then, how can we build a house that withstands the storms of life? And I believe the key to that lies in a scripture of the story we told first in the teaching today. Jesus told about the house built on sand and he told about the house built on rock in Matthew 7. And the key lies in one of the verses of that story. In Matthew 7, 24, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
And the key there is, hears these words and puts them into practice. So my friends, I want to tell you this. Building a house that can withstand the storms of life begins by hearing, begins by hearing and doing. Begins by hearing and doing. It's not enough to simply hear. You need to do And it's completely fruitless to do if you have not first heard. So what do we do with this? For some of you, you've not even made a decision to put Jesus as your foundation in life. And I would challenge you today to make that decision. Maybe you've been waffling a little bit and wavering back and forth. But I want to remind you, just like we learned in the life's unexpected situations that can cause a building to to fall. I'm not trying to scare you, but but this is just a reality. This thing that you're hedging your bet on, that you can do it later, you are not guaranteed tomorrow. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. You are one bad life experience away from that reality. I challenge you today, choose today to put Jesus at the center, choose to receive Christ to begin a journey. For some of you, you've made that decision, but you've never really designed a structure that can can survive it. You've, You've received Christ, but you've never grown. I encourage you to dive into the scriptures and prayer, get involved in a group and begin a journey of growth. For some of you, you've cut corners, you've cheated, you've gotten off the path, and I say, come home. Let's charge that hill together. For others, we talked about you've allowed the pressures, the anxieties of life to weigh you down. My dear friends, give that to Jesus today. And last, some of you, you say those unexpected situations, I'm living in one of those right now. I'm waiting in the deep end, and I need help. Here in just a moment, I want to pray for you, and I want to encourage you to keep connected in a community. That is what we are. We are a family, this church, this thing we do. We're not a building. We're a family, and we want to help and navigate that with you. Let's pray. Dear God, as we think through now, what it is we've learned today. May you put it in our hearts to ask, what is it in our lives we're building that can't stand? What is it that we have built in our lives that won't make it through the storms? And Lord, what do we need to change today to make that happen? If there's someone today that has not made that first step to follow you, may they pray today, dear Lord, forgive me. I want to walk with you. For those who have allowed the anxieties and the storms of life to weigh them down, we pray for freedom. May they live the life they were created to live and seek you. And for those, Lord, who are navigating through the unexpected experiences of life, we pray for peace beyond all understanding. We pray for calm and supernatural wisdom as we navigate that journey together. It's in your holy and precious name. Amen.